Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax. I'm, I'm going to discard. I'm not going to mention the number of this episode. I've decided it's just getting too confusing. But this is at Film Wax, and we are live here at Radio Free Rhinecliff. Just I don't know in the back oh, nook area. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Yeah, I need. I do need. We we need to come up with a, need a, a nickname for this. For a nickname. Every, yeah, maybe so. We'll do that. And this is a special episode. Uh, uh, well, it's a pre-Oscar, but uh, you know, it, it's not just that, but that's part of what this episode is going to be. We're going to talk about the Oscars a little bit with my special guest who I'll talk about in a moment. And, uh, but I've been still just spending a lot of time catching up and trying to, like last night I watched Navalny, the documentary that's up, one of the documentaries up for best documentary. And I watched, e, me, uh, my girlfriend, I watched EO finally saw that that's up for best internet, one of the. I guess what country is that from? Is that Poland? I think it's Poland. There may be their entry into the Oscars, possibly. Wow. And these, and you guys have not seen any of these, right? Son of Ani. Oh, you son of Ani. Yep. Well, that makes sense. Do, do what you think. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. It was a CNN documentary that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I feel like if you'd watched CNN a bit, you saw probably half the documentary previous <laughs> to the documentary. That makes sense, right? A lot but, of promotional. A lot of promotion, but you know, learning about his past. There were some good things I learned. Mm-hmm. How how was your week, Jen? How was your week? My week was good. My week was good. Good. That's <laughs> thank you for that. That's great. I know, that's really <laughs> Don't elaborate too much. <laughs> and Matt, how, Maddie, how was yours? Good week. A good day. Good recording. We're looking forward to our Oscar show. We're gonna have yeah. We're gonna have bubbly cocktails in a few minutes. Okay. Do we want to uh, somehow mention anything about the? I, I shouldn't make this gesture. I feel like it's terrible. <laughs> I'm making the accordion uh, gesture. Donald Trump I know arms. for Ron DeSantis. Uh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Anyway, what, should we mention like the uh, the a drink, the alcohol, the uh, what do you call it, company or, uh, or uh, the, the drink? The make, yeah, oh, if we uh, have well, it. it's actually going to be a derivation of uh, mm-hmm. French '75. We're going to use um, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to use a locally made gin that's infused with blackberries. Uh, do you want to talk about where the gin is from? Hillary Burton's farm. Hillary Burton, the and actress. Jeffrey Dean and Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, okay. And we're going to have dead. that with some Prosecco, and uh, we're okay. looking forward. Fantastic. I am very excited about my guest tonight. I love bringing a fellow film geeks. <laughs> I reduced him to a film geek. Let me read his uh, bio here. I, I printed out. Dana Poland is a professor of cinema studies at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. He is the author of at least seven books. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up that number. I think that's an old figure. Ten. Ten books, right? And your uh, is is that include the new one? No. So I was told he, you can't count new ones in the count. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to say two in progress. I'll tell I'll, I'll two speak. in progress. Thank you, Matt. We're having multiple voices, so I'm going to de- make sure I keep everybody up uh, identified as we as we talk. But seven books in film. Well, ten books plus in film and cultural studies, including scenes of instruction, the beginnings of the U.S. study of film. 
forthcoming. Is that one of the forthcoming or is that? No, that's old because it's seven books. Yeah. And the soprano, a book on the soprano. I know you have a book on Julia Child. You've got multiple books on various films, including one you handed me as your most recent published book called Dreams of Flight, The Great Escape in American Film and Culture. And the publisher is? Let's get University that. of California Press. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome. Shall I call you Professor Dana? Oh, no, no. Dana. Oh, good. Yeah. My girlfriend will like you already. She just doesn't put up, she doesn't like that. The, the, that whole, the, the, the titles. Well, yeah, you know, and, and just, that's uh, another episode, okay. but, but really great. Thank you, Dana. For, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure. And I, I, I appreciate you brought me a copy of Dreams of Flight, The Great Escape. We're going to talk about the Oscars. You know, this isn't going to be like the entertainment t- tonight version of the pre-Oscar show or any of those types. We're going to like try to have a, a real conversation about things that are of, let's say of interest. We don't have to guess which ones are going to win or any of that kind of business. Although we, we sort of have a sense that every, you know, everything everywhere all at once seems to be. It's the, everybody's saying the, it's the favorite. The favorite, Although, right? That's exactly why. I wouldn't won't. be surprised. I mean, I'm always surprised by Oscars, but I wouldn't be surprised no. if suddenly the Fablemans did better than everybody's now predicting. It's because you know, it's such a, an Oscar kind of film, you know, the it's Hollywood loving itself. Yes. It really is a kind of love letter to cinema. And they love Spielberg. I was, Spielberg. Yeah, I was and, listening and, to a podcast with him last night where they well, mentioned that he has been nominated for best director in every decade from the seventies on. Mm-hmm. He didn't always win, but he's always been there. And, you know, multiple films that everyone remembers that they revere and will continue to revere. And I will say, I, I think this is his strongest film in, in some time. I really enjoyed it. And I had just read Joe McBride's biography of him. Right. So, and then this came right in time that when this came out, I, I, there is a tension between a film like that, which looks back, as you just put it, to the tradition of Hollywood. And then there is a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which kind of looks forward a bit. And, you know, it's a multicultural film, right? There's other elements that kind of, you know, comprise what I'm kind of trying to talk about in terms of the future of Hollywood, which it might, you know, which is a bit different. And that's sort of, I wonder where we are, you know, because in in that, in the scheme of things. But you, you said to me before we started recording, I think you said something about maybe Oscars are, you know, becoming op- obsolete on some level, perhaps? Well, I think they're... Maybe not the right word. Maybe their cultural impact is overrated. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're important in that we all, on the Sunday, watch the Oscars, and we watch it for a lot of different reasons, and maybe we can come back to that. And I think everyday people have a kind of complicated love-hate relation Mm -hmm. with Hollywood and its inhabitants. On the one hand, we would love to have their lives. On the other hand... We wouldn't love to have the scandals in their lives. And, right. you know, we're, I think we're more shocked when we see aged actors who are not in control of their own you know, speech or bodies. Like, I think, you know, what was last year? Liza Minnelli was very painful to watch her. And some of that's... Oh, when she was wheeled up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we feel bad, but some part of us almost thinks, you know, they had their chance. Now it's over. Move on. So I think we're we're in this kind of complicated love hate relationship. Yeah, Is and it, that's what you know. We'll continue watching the Oscars both to see the pomp and circumstance, and also to see people slapping people, to see you yeah. know, we're wondering what's going to happen this year, and will that be a part of the comedy routine? We'll look for the gaffes. We'll look for the the 
you know, the the Warren Beatty reading the wrong mm-hmm. winner, the streaker who ran across stage when David Niven was presenting. So we sort of hope for those things also. Sure. The moments where... Right, because more eyes are on the show than just about any other show. Yeah, and it's supposed to be, so. you know, it's Hollywood, so therefore it should be perfectly well-produced. And yet it's filled with glitches that we sort of enjoy mm-hmm. seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, for me, the biggest limitation of the Oscars is taking the nominations and the wins as saying anything about where American film is. I mean, these are big films or successful films, most of them. But, you know, the Oscars from the start were an in-house industry operation. And it was the industry applauding itself. Interestingly, and I I don't want to go too much in the history. The very first year of the Oscars, there were two awards. One was for Best Picture and the other award was for something like Best artistic achievement of a feature film and the <laughs> yeah. best picture went to wings which was yes, a war film the best artistic achievement went to sunrise mm-hmm. which was a murnau german emigre working in the hollywood system very arty mm-hmm. and within a year they got rid of the the, the yeah. two wars because they realized they were undercutting themselves by saying yeah. one was best the other was more artistic but um mm-hmm. you know there are year it, i think it, it's always hard and we could talk about this. It's always hard to predict what's going to win. We sometimes, I think, impute more logic to the voters than there probably is. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, you can say, oh, that one because. And sometimes it's not for the most glorious of motives. So the. Absolutely. When, you know, I, before coming to New York, I was teaching at the University of Southern California. So I was living okay. in LA within that, not far from that world. And virtually everybody was not surprised when Braveheart won the Oscar, you know, and a, a film that's pretty much forgotten and not important within film history. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no film historian would give a lo- much attention to Braveheart, mm-hmm. but what the heck, you mm-hmm. know, it's a big epic film. Yeah. It's got lots of craft mm-hmm. and that's, that's who votes on the films is the craftspeople. And oh, so they're going to applaud their, you know, yeah, a right. film that shows them doing what they do well. Mm. And I think whatever one thinks of everywhere, ev- Everything everywhere. Everything yeah. everywhere all at once. Yeah. Hollywood also right now wants to show its um, mm-hmm. political ethics. And it is an important film in terms of Asian Amer- Asian representation sure. and Asian American representation. But if that's what Hollywood votes, uh, selects it for, I don't think it's its motives are always the most honest or straightforward. This is reason enough, uh, or rather, this is reason enough for the Oscars to kind of just go away because there is this uh, problem that I don't know if it can can ever get over, which is now a quality versus equality problem, you know, that it has. Like, if it keeps choosing what, I mean, there's obviously significant changes that have to happen in the industry. And it's going to take a heck of a long time for if that were to happen for, you know, in terms of who are the gatekeepers who are, you know, and then where is the big money going to? And if there's really a, a commitment to making it far more diverse Hollywood, it would really take a lot of change in the industry. Right. So I don't know how quickly that's going to happen in any yeah. significant way. So will will there be a pressure to vote for films that perhaps are more diverse, but not necessarily as popular? Right. I mean, Oscars are about popularity. Something you said I think is very important, which is quality and diversity. It'd be great when they both went hand in hand, but they don't have to, or they don't always. Mm -hmm. So a quality film may not be a film that's 
the greatest in terms of diversity. Right. You know, I totally understand hesitations and reservations that are made today about a film like Gone with the Wind, but it is for me Hollywood in terms of craft working at its at its peak of visual style, quality of direction. Ambition. And it's a reprehensible, but sure. reprehensible subject matter. But there was reprehensible things going on in the country yes, that yeah. it's reflecting, you know. Yeah, so I think yeah. there's moments where a film that celebrates diversity mm-hmm. and should mm-hmm. celebrate diversity and should be celebrated for celebrating diversity <laughs> maybe gets more attention right. as a quality film than it should. I mean, I, I, I before the before this conversation, I said I didn't want to talk about my own views, but I am not as enamored of everything everywhere as a film as many other people are oh interesting we have a consensus here i, I wasn't either I, but I, even though i know a number of people who i respect who are very excited about that film so i don't know what i what maybe i need to rewatch maybe we all need to rewatch maybe. it let's go to the videotape one other thing who oh, i was thinking when you were uh oh yeah so now that you know in the last well, within the last 10 years, the, the, the best picture category has expanded, obviously, right. to about to 10 films now. And, the t- and there's at least two that are, you know, uh, one is, you know, Top Gun Maverick and the other is Avatar, way of, The Way of Water. And, you know, I understand, like, it, it, this is, that's really, when you get to it, the kernel of it, that those, the inclusion, inclusion of those two films is really what Hollywood is all about. And... It, I think left to its own, you know, if it, if, if that those that that would, would just truly w- would like to make those to, make those films the nominations essentially because those are mo- films that are making money for the industry, you yeah. Know? And so there there's a there's another problem, you know, for for the film industry. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Avatar is going to win this year, but the first Avatar for me was like the perfect Oscar film. So again, big, really? important, mm-hmm. vaguely a meaningful theme because there's mm-hmm. this whole issue about nature versus technology. I mean, it's not very deep, but then Hollywood is not not necessarily very deep around its themes. Yeah, it's very strongly driven by special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I, I talk about in one of my books is the length of credits. I'm fascinated by how long credits are mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So, because there's so many people to thank, and they should be thanked, but it, but you know, hundreds of people mm-hmm. working on CGI and working on models, and mm-hmm. Avatar, you know, is perfect at that. So mm-hmm. it, it will probably win technical awards. And I mean, the other thing we could talk about, I think it's changing. And I want to come back to Top Gun Maverick, but for a long time, the effects-driven films would get awards in effects or in technical categories sound design and yeah, yada 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 sound design yeah yeah you know so something like a close encounters you know it, it will be nominated for best picture nominated for some of the actors but doesn't get those what it gets is editing score. or sound or score yeah and for a long time spielberg films were nominated in category often in, in technical categories right uh, until he starts making important films like schindler's list uh, and munich lincoln yeah. or yeah yeah yeah, I, 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 which I, by the way, like. And and I appreciated that you brought up the Fablemans as a possible, you know, upset, as ever, for lack of another word. Yeah, uh, I think if Everything Everywhere wasn't or hadn't been around this year, it would have been like a shoe in for the Fablemans. And at so many different levels, 
you know, Michelle Williams, a lot of people think she's deserved an Oscar for a long time. She was fabulous in Blue mm. Valentine. Judd Hirsch is like a sentimental favorite. Yeah. I mean, I think he's sort of doing shtick in this film, but in any other well, world, yeah, would he would get that. the best supporting actor. Yeah. I mean, my guess is either it's going to be an upset or everything is going to go to everything everywhere all at once. Mm. Everything goes to everything. Everything, yeah, everything goes sure. to everything. Yeah. But I wanted to, since you mentioned Top Gun Maverick, I yeah, mean, yeah. It, you know, the Academy's done this thing of changing the number of films that went to 10, then it went back to five. Now it seems to be back up again. Oh, I didn't realize it was yeah, there were, five. They, at one point, they, were, they thought, again, they were diluting the award. So they dropped it back to five. Oh. Then because, you know, they're, when I was living in L.A., one thing that's very apparent is that the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, its biggest source of revenue is NBC or is it ABC? ABC, I guess it is, licensing the show. That's... You know, that's where they make money. It's hmm. not screenings. It's not other events. It's hmm. not membership fees. It's the broadcast. Oh, and wow. it, it's ABC paying for the broadcast and mm-hmm. uh, giving them some part of the ad revenue. I see. Right. So they need that show. And they, they also need it to have good ratings. And there's, you know, over the last 10 years, and you were sort of alluding to this, it's success has gone up and down and there were major fall-offs in certain years. Yeah. You know, I well, think a lot of people will watch this year just to see what's the follow-up to the slap. To the Chris Rock slap yeah. that was right around the world. I, I actually don't know who the host is this year. That's that's sad. I have no idea. Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, right? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Jimmy, I think it is. Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. And, uh, yeah, well, I was say about it Top really Gun feels like nobody really knows right. what to do with the Oscars. They really, nobody knows because every time they think they got, one thing I will say they did correctly was to just cut out the cheesy music numbers. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was brutal. And so finally they got rid of it. I remember there was one year it felt like, go ahead, Matty. I was just going to say, things that they changed, which I think are crazy, is to get rid of the red carpet and make it gold. <laughs> That's ridiculous, Matt. There's no red carpet. No, it's, but what, it's what I was going to say is, for me, the... Criminal. The, the, <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I don't know if funny is the right word, but it's, to me, amusing that Top Gun Maverick... Even is in a category of best picture. I mean, it's a it's a, a film that made a lot of money for the industry. For the industry, it's well made of its sort. Yeah, uh, it's diverting. We watched it. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same film as the the first film. I mean, it's it's almost like they're just. It's not a continuation of it. It's like it's if they're remaking it, changing the woman to a different woman, mm-hmm. still having competition. In this case. Mm-hmm. Instead of competition with the dad, it's now with the son of the dad. Right. But it's still pretty much the same It's the film. same story. And, and it's, it's, they couldn't even come up with a nickname that was all that different from right. Goose. They went to Brewster. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's one of those where but, if someone goes up in a plane that's, they haven't tested, you know, they're going to crash. It, it had all the cliches and sure. I found it very predictable. Yeah. Well, it was a classic popcorn movie and right. it did it a great job, you know, at that. So, uh, but then you have All, all Quiet on the Western Front. How does a movie, by the way, get selected as, as in the best foreign film category and in the best picture? That's something I've never quite figured out, like why, why it's in both of those categories. I, you know, there's nothing that prohibits that from happening. So Clearly. I think Parasite was in both foreign oh, okay. and best picture. Yeah. Because, the, you know, all the technical categories are categories that are tied to a person. So acting, mm-hmm. directing, editing. It's people within that area that vote on that award. I think 
directing, though, and certainly Best Picture, it's any member of the Academy. Okay. So mm -hmm. anybody could mm -hmm. vote for any film to become Best Picture. You know, and the other part of this, and it's obvious, is how much these films are promoted to be nominated. Right. And it doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be a Top Gun Maverick. There can be a ma major moves, and I'm going to forget the woman, the woman who sort of came from behind to be nominated for Best Actor, the, at Best Actress in this very small film. And there was a... Yes. Yes. Yeah, there was a, like a... Uh, right. Yeah. A stealth uh, campaign uh, to get about, her nominated. Yes, you're talking about... Uh, I thought she'd be on this list here. Why isn't... Uh, best Actress. Yeah. Isn't she Best Supporting... Oh, no, Best Actress, right? Yeah. Uh, Andrea Riceboro. Andrea Riceboro. I, I was yes. looking at... Uh, the best supporting actor after all you that. Know, and that was, I yeah. mean, she's supposed to be very good. She but is good. She I would have it. been forgotten except for this campaign to get her noticed. Yes, right. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something else that plays in, you know, the Oscars are not simply the best films of that year. They're the best films that a studio promotes, gets behind, pushes, or that someone else pushes. Well, I mean, yeah, but the, I mean, everything is subjective. So it, it, clearly this is just, uh, you know, a lot of campaigns. Yeah, the result of a lot of camp of successful campaigns, but I mean, I, I, you know, there are some really sensational films in the best picture category. You mentioned the Fablemans. So I think uh, Triangle Sadness. I mean, you know, it's arguable. So good. Thank yeah. you for the recommendation. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, that was very entertaining, <laughs> to say the least. And I mean, All Quiet on the Western Front. I think they, these were great. Yeah. Tar was great. And Women again, Talking was great. You know, but, again, but there are a lot saying, of others. Right, yeah. That's exactly right. Again, as I was saying before, I'm not sure the Oscar or the, the final decision for in any category really means anything. The one that for me is mm -hmm. completely mm -hmm. open is the acting category mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people would like Brendan Fraser. Sure. Because he's been around. On the other hand, there's a well, lot of buzz for the guy who plays Elvis, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was not. Yeah. Which I didn't mm -hmm. think was. Yeah. yeah. It was, that was a movie kind of about, that was more about story and than it was acting. I mean, yeah. one could argue. Uh, and I do think Fred, Brent Frazier did a fantastic job. And it's also a, a sort of a, you know, it's, it's a re he's resurrected his career. So I think people are excited to root for him. Right. You know, because he... There's some talk for Colin Farrell. I mean, there are good actors. Yeah. What, yeah. you know, another thing that I'm hearing people talk about, which I'm not sure how achievable it is, which is... Best actor should just be for best actor. Why do we break them into gender? Uh, you know, right. and but that's you know, that would be very tricky if there's only five, if there's only five yeah. slots in that category as it is, right? There's a lot of obviously, you know, very justifiable criticism about the I mean, it's of women interesting because you know, we now we now use the word actor to yeah. talk about both both genders, but I bet if they did that. The first time it went to a male actor rather than female actor, there would be a lot of, of course, protest. Sure, whether merited or not. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I think diversity is absolutely essential in our world. There's a kind of scrutiny of mom of m moments that are not diverse. Mm -hmm. That sometimes, what do I want to say? You know, I think if an actor wins, if a male actor won, it might be because. He he was the best. Well, person. sometimes the yeah, sometimes the male will kind of give the strongest performance or the most popular performance. But it's interesting because it it comes to down to campaigns and and then 
that is driven by money and who has the most money and are men giving men money to. So there's it's a nuanced conversation. But uh, anyway, the the Oscars are Sunday. Right. Are you going to just watch it over here down the street here where you live? Or? We're going to an Oscar party. Oh, so. me too. Okay. Well, are you yeah. going to a large one or a small one? I think it's 18 people. Okay. And there'll be a lot of mm-hmm. laughing at dresses, you know, <laughs> right. outlandish dresses. There'll yeah. be a lot of waiting for scandal. They'll be sniffling when they do the who departed. Uh, and, you know, there's yeah. going to be some sort of moment. I don't know how they're going to incorporate it into the uh, show, but, you know, there's got to be some sort of moment about the slab again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, I sat and we watched the Chris Rock special the other night. And the last part of it is him responding to that. Did you see it? I did. The last eight minutes Mm -hmm. were fascinating. They were fascinating. The best part of that special by far. Have you seen that? No. It was still worth seeing. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. But I think there's going to have to be some sort of, well, Kimmel will no doubt. Either it'll be one thing in the opening monologue or they'll decide to go all out and make it a motif that keeps coming back because they sometimes do that like they'll, yeah. They, yeah. they'll pick up on something and run with it sure and sometimes they go too far or they keep going well there was that year where they were doing the thing about iphones and let's take photos and oh, let's take photos selfies yeah selfies okay. yeah and it just went on beyond yeah. well, the point when it was where it was yeah, funny you'll notice that ellen wasn't invited back correct so, yes well okay so we don't need to go any further i just was kind of unless you have any other no, but the thing about, I had forgotten that it was Jimmy Kimmel. The one thing that's interesting there, and that yeah. goes along with something I was saying before, mm-hmm. is how often the hosts of the Oscars aren't people from film, their mm-hmm. television. And, you know, yeah, it's true. Sure. You know, they know that their money comes now from television. I mean, the other thing for me. It's a TV show. Yeah. Right. The other thing I'm interested in, and I actually didn't look at it, studied enough for this year, is which nominees are come from studios and which come from streaming services because that's been the other big issue over the last couple of years and i think that is a place where hollywood voting on itself matters will Certainly. they in other words will they pick a netflix film for best picture will they pick an amazon film well, for best picture right well they are studios too aren't they? well they're I mean, becoming increasingly becoming you know now yeah. they're talking about original content yeah but oops you did uh, apple I win i forget it? what it was but apple won the first yeah, but streaming. there was, was you know there was a period where Netflix yeah. was desperate to have a win, and they almost they came close. They had, I'm going to forget the name of it, the film in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Right, of course. Uh, shoot. Oh, right. Well, call I, in, everybody. The number... But, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all completely lost. Yeah, um, I know. That's true. You know, so the, the... Right. And it was interesting. It was a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Netflix bought the Egyptian theater in L.A., Yes. And rented the Paris Theater they, in New York. Oh, I, think, I thought they bought that, but okay. no, they, they rent, it was a rental. Mm-hmm. And the programmer told me the David whole, Schwartz. What? Which one? David Schwartz, who's yeah. now left. But he oh, went, he left. He left very recently. Oh, I didn't. About realize. three weeks ago. Oh, I, and he said, "I'm going on to other things, but I don't know what they are." Oh, anyway, been difficult over there. He told me the whole reason why Netflix got into that is that there's an Academy rule. That oh, oh, a film has to play for a week. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. In either. Yeah. And it has. It can't be any big city. It has to be New York L- and L.A. And, and and so they needed a venue. Right. For oh yeah. Their so, possible Oscar films. Yeah. Oh, that um, was. Uh, I've known. A, yeah. Well, that was something that was, I think was common knowledge as far as like yeah they needed just to have a a, a 
a consideration, you know, theatrical. The Irishman, I guess, was also Netflix. Right? Yes. Yes. And they wanted that to be... Right. You know, the, yeah. I think they were banking on that to be mm -hmm. their best picture. Yeah. It so, also has to play a particular, a particular festival in the, this small, a group of festivals it has right. to play, right, I think. Or maybe it's one or the other. But, but I think the industry is waiting to see mm -hmm. if streaming films, off, especially if they don't have a theatrical release or a minimal theatrical release, mm. are Oscar worthy or not. Mm -hmm. And that will swoop. Because you know, I think I'm very bad on predicting the future, including predicting the Oscars. Mm -hmm. But the big question I think everybody wants to know is theatrical exhibition in general. What is its future? You know, mm -hmm. I think COVID was it an unexpected hit to the theatrical oh, right. business. But well, I think sure. it was, it sort of confirmed a direction the, the film industry had been going in, which was increasingly narrowing the window between theatrical release and streaming. And yeah, they wanted more excuses to get away from theatrical. So I think we're going to see a decline of theatrical exhibition. It's, I think it's going to become more niche. So art cinemas like... Mm -hmm. Well, exactly upstate, what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, well, I would, right. I or, was going to say, go ahead. You know, you'll, you might go to see a big budget film mm -hmm. if you can see it on IMAX. And IMAX is doing really right. well now. But it's sort of the middle range. Yeah. You know. We're talking to uh, you know, Poland, who is a professor of film at NYU and an author, a prolific author, I might add. And uh, I was going to say, since you're on the subject, yeah, I think it's going to come down to big, splashy Hollywood films, niche cinema, Exactly what I was going to say. And then there are some where there'll be some theaters that will figure out the, you know, whatever chem formula for, you know, serving food and, and right. booze and, and have other, you know, yeah. up, up things to entice people into the theater and out of their living rooms. And then we'll see, you know, maybe there'll be a return. Also, like up here, unfortunately, it's seasonal, but the drive-in is, is, did very the well during the... Big and I think yeah. that could really, you know be a great alternative as well because the, it, you know obviously it only works when it's dark out which you know and if the weather's good yeah and if the weather's good right there's a number of different components to it but in the best of circumstances it's such a great evening and those places have opportunities to have other things like a great you know maybe a bar or a restaurant a cool spot or other kinds of things for kids to do to keep busy and safe while their parents are you know potentially having sex in the car or whatever they're doing <laughs> yeah, one thing I'm interested in is how we consume films in different contexts. Mm -hmm. And it's not merely that we consume the same film. It's almost like the film itself changes when mm -hmm. it moves from one platform to another. And the big example, I, I, was when I was mentioning The Irishman, and I think Matt was one of my random samples, everybody I know who saw it theatrically saw it in one single sitting because that was the only way you could see it theatrically. Mm -hmm. So you would go, I saw it at IFC you know, three hour, 40 minute movie. It was packed. No one got up at any moment because it's an art cinema. And I think it would have looked, they would have been ashamed to get up and walk out on a Scorsese film. But no one who saw it at home told me they saw it in one single sitting. They would watch 20 yeah. minutes or well, a half hour. Some comedian said, what? One comedian I heard said, who they were talking, they, they contacted Scorsese and said, Marty, I really, really loved, enjoyed the first season of The Irishman. Right. But, but I saw it that I saw it at at the New York Film Festival, with you know at, at the pr world premiere with the entire cast you know there afterwards for a CUNY. So it was a long long <laughs> long afternoon, but it was well worth it. 
Mm. I enjoyed the movie. And then yeah, there was everybody in the cast and Scorsese on the stage. You know, it was a fun way to see it. But yes, he even I mean, going. To, I mean, but that's not your point. I understand. Yeah, what you're saying. but the you know the joke about the first season of the it's yeah. not completely a joke because it does have this kind of episodic quality. You know, mm-hmm. it's the Irishman across multiple decades, and it feels in a certain way like could have been done that way. Yeah, and I you know it could have been the the fifties moment, the sixties moment, sure, the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's why I guess the they re-edited the Godfather's one and two at one point, right? The same kind of. Did you ever find out the the Mexican? Title of that Mexican film? You were, I thought you were looking. I lost, I lost That's all right. Oh, okay. No problem. No worries. Terrible. The, what a wonderful film that was, too. Yeah. But, we'll, we'll, you know, just to show, even people like us, we forget titles. We forget actors' names all the time. It's the just first thing I forget. What, like when I'm lecturing, a title. Oof, really? Yeah. That's just goes out of my head. Uh, well, we resent those who never forget those types of things. Mm-hmm. The people, there's some people who could just pull it, you know... With no, pro- I don't know. I don't like those people at all. So I appreciate you very much. And let's talk a little bit about your 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 work, okay. if you don't mind. No. So how long have you been at, at NYU? I started in two thousand and six. Okay, and you were at USC before. Yeah, was that what you said? Okay, USC, uh-huh. uh, which I was at for about ten years, and before that, and this is sort of typical of a certain generation of film scholars. It's not the typical of the next generation after me. Mm-hmm. But I was, my first job was in an English department and there were many departments of English that would add film as a kind of yeah. visual narrative. I mean, yeah. through the fifties yeah. and sixties, film was either in com communication departments or in English departments. Mm-hmm. And the one I was, I started, so I started at the university of Pittsburgh Oh, and they created a film track that then became its own standalone department. And that's sort of typical of a lot of was that in the 90s or something? Or? Uh, 80s into the 90s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, semiotics. Is that That's, another one? Yeah, that Todd was Todd Haynes that, that, and Christine Vachon met. met, met yeah, that, that was the 70s and 80s were the high theory moment. Hmm. Most of my work after that moment is completely different because hmm. it's very much focused on individual films. It's much more about historical research. When I was first a graduate student and then when I was first a professor, you didn't really do historical and you didn't do primary research. You theorized. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it seemed at, mm-hmm. often very disconnected from the films in, its, in their contexts. So that, I, that seems like another world to me, semiotics yeah. and things like that. I understand. Well, where were, did you well, tell me a little bit, even going further, but now I want to know like when you originally came up with this idea to, to teach film and how, how did you make that happen back then when it was just barely a thing? Well, that, I mean, that's, yeah, it was so much not a thing that I didn't know you could. You could do it. You could do it. So when I grew up, and I, I don't think, I don't know if I've told you the story. So I grew up in, as a teenager in the 1960s and in Westchester County, north of New York City. And the two things I liked to do were go to movies, but I didn't know you could do anything except make movies. And I knew I didn't want to do that. And then I... I was I did amateur radio on the side, which Matt knows about. You know, so going on the radio, talking. Well, welcome back to amateur radio. Yeah. So Dana. counselors in small towns, when you went in and they say, well, you know, we, we should talk about what you what you should do. What are you interested in? And you know, someone said, I like to work with cars, mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to dissect animals, veterinarian. Mm-hmm. So when I said movies and amateur radio, movies like they had no idea. So that's mm-hmm. that's off the table. But they said, oh amateur radio, you should go become an electrical engineer. 
So hmm. my first year of college, I went to RPI, north of here. And, oh, right, Rochester. Yeah, in Troy, New York. Uh, uh, Polytechnic? What is it called? Rensselaer Polytechnic. Rens Rensselaer. Yeah, yeah. To be an electrical engineer. Right. right. Except no one had told me you needed to be good at math, and I'm terrible at math. Mm -hmm. But there was a professor at RPI who was doing a film appreciation course. And oh. that was the first moment where I realized and you, you could teach it. But what you, you already had the film interest, otherwise. I had because the film interest you... as a movie goer. Right. And one of the things that was interesting growing up in Westchester, so close enough to New York that we could go in. Sure. What town? Every so often. Uh, well, actually, it was Putnam, it was Putnam County, okay. right across so, the border, Putnam Valley. So, so he's uh, already... A little further. So up. you yeah. weren't in Westchester. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, my grandparents now, lived in Peekskill. So we, we would cross is the your, border. Is your, is your, do you have it? Is Devolder part of your name? I just have to make what? sure you're, Devolder? That's not part of your name or anything. No, no. Okay. So, so I just have to make sure you're telling the truth. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was a kid, I would see everything local. So the Paramount Theater in oh Peekskill, God. which is now an art center. Oh, yeah. I've heard of I that. would see all the films there. And those tend to be popular films. Right. I, we went to the Putnam Valley Drive-In or the Peekskill Drive-In. Mm -hmm. That's where I saw The Great Escape for the first time. Oh, which is, by the way, we'll just remind people, is his latest right. published book. Oh, thank you for the... Yeah. But you would read in magazines, and we got Time Magazine on a weekly basis, and Time would review city movies, New York, what I call New York City movies. And these were the kinds of things that didn't make it up. Yeah. So, for example... A little too gritty or something? Or uh, or artsy or okay. whatever. Right. So, uh, the, for example, uh, the mm -hmm. John Borman film Point mm -hmm. Blank from 1967. Oh, I just rewatched that again, actually, just a few couple months ago. Yeah, you know, By the way, uh, John Borman, a f prior guest on Film Blank. Yeah, so I, when I finally got to see Point Blank, I just thought it was amazing. But you would read about all these films, and there was even a moment, I want to say 1968, where the cover story on time was the new Hollywood, and it was the cutting-edge, sure. ex more experimental films. Right. You would have been just the perfect age for that, right? Yeah, so, but I couldn't see most of them unless yeah. I figured out a way to go into the city. So my birthday was always take me into the city and show me something that we can't see upstate. And that's where I got How to... How old are you talking about? 16, uh, 17? I'm born in 53. Mm -hmm. So 15, 16, 17, let's say. By the way, very youthful looking man here with so a too. full head of hair. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew of larger, broader, mm -hmm. sometimes more European-inspired film culture, but it wasn't readily available to me. Right. And so when I went to college... Yeah. After I, So I transferred out of RPI because I was going to be an electrical engineer. You already got the bug. I went to Cornell... And did a. That's self, the one in Ithaca? That's the one in Ithaca. <laughs> high above Cayuga's waters. Yes. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, did a self designed major in theater film literature. Oh. And Cornell had a very active film society. Yeah. Five days a week. They would show non that's where mainstream you got your stuff. Education. And that, what? That's yeah. where you got your education. Yeah. The other thing that was really influential was right around the same time that I went to college, Charles Champlin, who was the film critic. I want to say not for the L.A. Times, but he was an L.A. film critic. Okay. He did a oh, show on PBS. No. And I'm going to forget yeah. the name of it, but it was called something like Film Odyssey. Okay. And he would walk out onto a stage and he'd like just spout. He'd go, Igmar Bergman, The Seventh Seal, a metaphor for existence. Mm -hmm. And then he'd show the film. Oh, wow. And it tended to be, there was this uh, film distributor, Janus Films. Yeah, of course. And it's... all the films he showed were from the Janus collection. Sure, which so, now people know through... Criterion. Criterion. Wanted, yeah. So that's where I saw Seventh Seal. But mm -hmm. the one 
So I, I'm, I'm, I have this teeny little TV in my dorm room, and I'm watching wow. Seventh Seal on like six inches. Sure. And the one that knocked me out was Jules and Jim. And yeah. I just thought the energy of that film, the yeah. inventiveness. And Jean so Moreau. that's where and I Jean started. And Jean Moreau. What? And Jean Moreau. And Jean Moreau is striking. Oh, yeah. What a beauty. Oh, my God. So hey, that's, okay, let me yeah. ask you, since you brought her up, or well, the film up, I should say, uh, this is how I judge people. So the right answer is very important, Dana. Right. Okay, Catherine Deneuve or Jean Moreau? Oh, there's no, yeah, definitely Jean Moreau. Oh, okay, yeah. correct. That's like the Ginger and Marianne question yeah. right okay yes you, yeah you know about that in pulp fiction yes but uh, i can't I, so I, they had... in the outtakes so when the john travolta character vince goes mm -hmm. to mia's house for the first time he has to take her out for the evening and keep her busy she opens the door with a video camera and this got cut and before she says anything else she goes ginger or marianne Lit it's and, a litmus test I yeah mean, and if you know if you say ginger you know, we're not going out. And everyone knows it's Marianne, right? Right, because she probably, she didn't have to, you know, make a big fuss about her. Right. But and that's the same, that, yeah. that Jean Moreau is more yeah. Marianne than okay. Catherine Deneuve is Ginger. Uh, uh, there's a Jean Moreau festival going right. on, I think, at Film Forum, or... I think this it's at Film Forum it right is. now, yes. Okay, yeah. I normally would be down there. Checking them out, checking them out. Yeah. But sadly. So anyway, I, that's how I got into sorry. film study. You know, I got, I got, to, I got to just, I have to end the show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I was, I do feel like uh, if I had met her, we would have worked out. <laughs> uh, just, I don't care about the age difference. So, okay. Well, so I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated by when people get the bug, you know, or get this because it can, once it, once you have it. It's like a it's like a bad case of whatever virus fell in the blank, but uh, it's like it's really gets hold of you. And you have chosen to write how many books now? You said a ten, eleven. Uh, I've written ten. Ten, and you have an eleventh on close encounters. Right. So can I talk? Can, can I say that? Sure. And and what goes into the research of that? It depends. So the, not all of my books. So you had mentioned scenes of instruction, which is a kind of history of film study itself. That book. The research was oh, right. you know, finding mm -hmm. course catalogs and looking up, you know, the description of a, of a film course. In the last years, and you mentioned uh, The French Chef, I've been interested in single cultural phenomenon. So a TV show, The Sopranos, The French Chef, right. a single film. I did a book on the Lego movie, The Great Escape. Um, and now my, my next two books are against what I call single, pho single phenomena. Okay. One is the close encounters the other is the tv sitcom from the 60s the patty duke show which i'm co-worker duke show yes. was she twins in that yes twin cousins yes how did i know that wait a minute they were identical cousins yeah they're someone recently i had never thought of this since seeing it in the 60s someone said how can you be identical cousins as well, opposed to identical sisters yeah and it had never bothered me no but it was you know yeah. patty duke had come off the miracle worker yeah. they were looking for something to show her versatility as an actor, oh. but clearly wanting something that was a little more popular than The Miracle Worker. So mm -hmm. they said, let's put her in a sitcom and let's figure out a way where she could play multiple personalities. Hmm. And the idea was, let's have her be <laughs> twins. So a friend and I are writing that book. But wow. so right now I'm finishing the Close Encounters book. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just had read, as I mentioned before, before even I knew about The Fablemans, I had finally just decided, because I've had Joe, Joseph McBride 
That's almost right. right. He's kind of like a bit of a controversial kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you were asking... I had him on, and, and I finally got around to reading the Spielberg book. So then all of a sudden I found out about the Fablemans is coming out, and I thought it was a very, very uh, real depiction of the Spielberg's right. I actually wonder peop about people who go to the Fablemans not knowing Spielberg's life, because mm -hmm. a lot of... I what? think a lot of the resonance of that film has to be that you know you, this is really? Spielberg and this so? is his story. Do you really think a lot of... I don't know. I don't, well, I don't think as many people are going as... As they should. Right. When those or, that like, go are more, or maybe not so much aware of Spielberg's life or the details of his life, so much as they're just Spielberg fans. Yeah. No, I think that's true also. Yeah, right. I mean, I've been lately, because I'm working on Close Encounters, talking to people <clears throat> who have seen Close Encounters for the first time very, very recently. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I mean, it's a film that it's, I wouldn't put it as my favorite. It's, and I don't necessarily feel I have to have, I don't necessarily feel that a film has to be my favorite for me to work on it. Mm -hmm. It's a film that's growing on me, but I'm fascinated by how many people feel it's, it holds up, including the special effects. You know, this is a film from 77 yeah, and the special effects are great. And actually I think are better than some CGI. I, I was, I won't mention the name. I was watching a, a very CGI driven film the other day and I was like, this looks cheesy to me. It looks drawn. It looks, it does, the volumes don't look physically real. Please mention the name of the No, I, I, okay. <laughs> um, he's a tough but, one to crack this yeah. guy. But going back to your question of how I do. But I want to talk about yeah. Close Encounters. What? I, 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 wanna, I do want to talk about why I feel like Close Encounters is a great choice. Oh. But after you make your point. So f the choice of Close Encounters? Is yeah. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was, I mean, it's. It's maybe not worth going into in detail. Mm -hmm. It's for a series that's at the BFI called BFI Classics. Mm -hmm. And it's a single author on a single film. Mm -hmm. in it's like a monograph. Almost. It's a monograph. Yeah. It's, so it's not yeah. a full book. Right. And I, I've done two for them already. I did Pulp oh. Fiction. Okay. And I did the film Noir in a Lonely Place. And I had, it's, right. it ends up being Nick, as much. Nick Ray, right? What? Nick Ray. Yes. Yeah. Who's, you know, whose widow lives about four blocks from here. I didn't know that. Yes, Let's Suzanne Ray lives up on Orchard Street in Rhinecliff. What? Did you not Jesus. know that, Jen? Mike, sorry, Dana, uh, yeah. you gotta go. I've got about 10 minutes left. I could bring <laughs> All right, her so in anyway, here. Um, no, no, I'm kidding. I, yeah. I was just gonna say I could bring her in here. What do I need you for? <laughs> uh, I, I can get you her email, because she would, she- Oh my God. Is my very God. dedicated to spreading the word about Nicholas Ray. And especially oh, yeah. towards the end of his career, he made experimental films I know. at, and, uh, at the SUNY. And right, she's, in Rochester, right? Wasn't it? Or Syracuse? Where was it? Because I just got Lightning Over Water. I want to say Syracuse, yes. Um, I just got Lightning Over Water right. yeah, uh, so she, to have at home because that's how, what a Nicholas Rafe. So that she is, is very strongly advocating for restoration and distribution of I'm a stranger here myself. Okay. Uh, and she has a thing called the Nicholas Ray Foundation. Yeah. So she would... Oh, let's do it. She would love you to could be sit on your in, show. You could sit in, too. So um, anyway, even though when I... Even though these are short books, mm -hmm. I've... For each of the ones I did already, mm -hmm. I did as much research for them as I might have done for a fuller, mm -hmm. longer book. Mm -hmm. Yet it's the most fun I've had working on a, a book is to concentrate on these films I go bet. into them very deeply. In a lonely place, I had about a, there was a week where my, I sent my spouse to visit a friend for a week. And I said, I'm going to just work on the film. Where she stays ever since I might have. Right. <laughs> she hasn't come um, home. And, all, 
from the moment I would get up each day till the moment I would go to sleep, I had the film playing. This was VHS, the VHS time period. I would, I wasn't watching it necessarily. I would walk around, make my. It just was in your. It was playing in your periphery. It would finish. Your... I'd rewind, start it again. So for me, uh, well, great... what about when you? I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. When you were sleeping? No, I would turn it off. Okay. Yeah, but so <laughs> for example, for Close yeah. Encounters, mm-hmm. you know, I'm seeing the film multiple times, especially because, as I was saying to you before, there's multiple mm-hmm. versions of it. Right. Paul Schrader, of all people, wrote the first Former draft. Guest here on Filmax. Paul Schrader wrote the first drafts of Close Encounters, mm-hmm. and they were basically rejected because they were too Paul Schrader, yeah. which I think was, you know, it's, so he, it's almost like, instead of the Richard Dreyfus, Roy Neary characters, almost like Fra- Travis Bickle mm-hmm. uh, visited by a UFO and yeah, suffering right. from that. So, uh, yeah, Spielberg and, yeah. Yeah, Schrader. Yeah. Well, the, See, the, they're dark in the light there. Yeah. The way, so through a friend, I was able to get in touch about three weeks ago with Paul Schrader, mm-hmm. who called me out oh of the God. blue. He, I wrote, I sent him an email to his production company and he said, let's talk. And I sent him my phone number. I said, let's set a time to talk. And like a minute later, the phone rings because it's Paul Schrader. He, you know, he doesn't set up times. He calls you. So I had to take the call right then and there. Uh, we talked for about 20 minutes and he still is very resentful of the fact that his scripts weren't used um, in part, well, in part because there would have been some financial benefits to him. But sure. he, <laughs> right. the best quote he gave me uh, was, he said, I just yesterday finished writing the script for a Russell Banks story about a man dying of cancer. Steven Spielberg just recently made a movie about a kid who likes making movies. That about sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> so. And it's that, that kind of research. Uh, yeah, right. That is exciting and, and, and worth, worth it. Yeah, I talked um, to Michael Phillips, who was one of the co-producers. Sure. Julia Phillips, yeah. uh, ex uh, And uh, I was thinking just, it seemed like for me, Close Encounters, when I saw it, what was it, 81, 82? 77. No, I'm sure you're wrong. Uh, 77. I know you're right. I didn't realize it was even that far. So I would have been 13, 14 years old. And, but if it was like the first film that made... To me, science fiction, a science fiction film, made it feel like, oh, this is, ha- I could see this happening. This is a really, because right. he just did, he had the perfect blend of real people and how they would actually respond in such a situation. And the whole logic and the whole yeah. the structure. No, of I think film, that's absolutely. It's, and that's it's what... like the first time it, like we could relate to this idea and that it wasn't also a hostile aliens. Right. No, I, and that's why it's absolutely important that it's 1977, because that's the okay. same year as Star Wars. Right. And Star Wars is a very different direction in science oh, sure. fiction, which is from the start, you know. Comic series. Yeah. Like, all you know, all right. believability is thrown out the window. Right. You know, it's a galaxy far, far away, a time far, far ago. Right. Whereas and I think. And it's a nod to the old serial film. Yeah. So, right. But, you know, I think as you're saying, what's absolutely central to Close Encounters is this rooted, it's that it's rooted in an everyday present mm. American reality. You know, right. one of the early titles says Muncie, Indiana. Yeah. And that's where the aliens come to visit. Yeah. And yeah. to make the alien visitation believable, on the one hand, you need really convincing special effects, but you also need a really convincing depiction of ordinary Americanness. Right. You know, yeah. you, to, you can only get to the fantastic from the real. Okay. I'd be remiss as a co producer. We have three minutes oh, left. It's an Oscar okay. show. Yes. And we need predictions. 
Oh, we did with a couple of predictions. Well, I already said it's either going to be everything everywhere all at once, a clean sweep, or a surprise upset by the Fablemans, with maybe a surprise upset by mm -hmm. Brendan Fraser. Okay. Best best director, let's see, we'll say, uh, I'm going to throw this one to uh, Spielberg. I think this might be his year. Spielberg, what do you think? Uh, It could be. You know, they love... What do you think? They love Spielberg. They love what he stands for, which is a certain notion of Hollywood. Um, Mm -hmm. Best uh, actor, best actress. But, you know, again, it's hard to... It is. Brendan Fraser, best actor. I'm sorry. We're totally predicting. It's like John McLaughlin here. And Michelle Williams. (laughs) I'm going to give it to Michelle... Well, Michelle Yeo. Michelle Williams is going to be a guest next week on one of our shows. Really? It's true. Wow. Yes. How, what, you, 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 anyway, let's keep going. The 17th. There you go. That's probably Michelle Yao, but. You think so? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I don't really, uh, uh, let's see. Best documentary film. I will say, well, here's the thing. It probably should go to all the beauty and the bloodshed, but Laura Poitras has won before, but it's possible she could win again. That would be amazing. I haven't seen all of them. Have you seen the, the animated films? No, the I did. I watched them all. I, oh. I watched the shorts. Okay, so you're with your I'm, go- I'm going with 100 decks. Okay. Mm, I'm not sure. It was. I watched them all too. I, I went love to IFC. You did. Oh, oh. I, I went to Upstate. Fantastic. Oh. It was selection. good, but it wasn't the best selection. I go every year for the animated Oh, I thought it was shorts. so much better than last year. <laughs> Maybe better than last year, but about four years ago, the friend one was the best. We five jacked it. Okay. Sorry. Uh, no, no problem. By the way, I don't know if we can do yeah. a shout out to yeah. to Upstate, but you were mentioning mm-hmm. Rear Window. Mm-hmm. I just got yesterday an email from oh, yes, right. that they're doing yes. a whole Hitchcock festival. Yeah. Well, they're doing, yes. Uh, five or six films, yep. including uh, uh, yeah. some Saboteur. that are lesser known. What? Saboteur. Saboteur. Okay. Which Shadow is a, of a Doubt, which is a fabulous film. Right. Yeah. And uh, a couple of more, like Psycho and the Birds, which are maybe, Rear Window. Rear Window is part yeah. of that, yes. Yeah. I think five or six films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth seeing. Even in, even in DCP. Mm-hmm. Well, join us, you know, on on Sunday night then, and 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 you can reach me at Adam at filmwax dot com with uh, your your feelings. Your how do if people reach you? Uh, oh, they can always yeah. So NYU emails are the first name last name first name dot last name mm-hmm. at NYU dot edu. So it's Dana dot Poland P O L A N. All right at NYU dot edu, and I I love okay. chatting with people by email. Oh, that's great. Okay, good. And you could, and your books are, are available through, uh, I guess, where books are sold. Thank you. Thank Oblong, you, Ben. Oh, I'm increasingly trying to get all my books from Oblong. Oh, right. Good idea. Oblong yes. Books and Inquiring Mind. Inquiring Mind's bookstore, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're local. Thank you, guys. Thank you.